Welcome to the latest episode of the Catalyst Health and Wellness Coaching Podcast. My name is Brad Cooper, and I'll be your host. And today's guest is Brad Barton. He is the first person over the age of 50 in history to run under four minutes and 20 seconds in the mile. Now, why does this matter to us? Whether you're a health and wellness coach, you're thinking about it, you're a wellness program manager, or you're just somebody that wants to make the most out of your life, and that's what's drawn you to this. Why does, why does somebody running under 420 in the mile matter to us? I think too often we put significant limits on ourselves. We hear things like, oh, you're over 40 now, or 50, or 60, or 70, or whatever it is, so you should probably dial it back. Don't push yourself too hard. You, you know, you're getting older. You should probably be a little more careful. I mean, we even hear this with very well-intentioned but uninformed doctors who, frankly, undercut their patients by lowering the expectations. What if, what if instead we elevated expectations? What if we look to people like Brad Barton and said, okay, I don't have a desire to run that fast in the mile, but what message can I take from him? What can I take from his journey as I pursue things whatever my thing is in my own life? What, what if we look to raise the bar in our own life instead of falling back on age or whatever else as an excuse? And that's why we interviewed Mr. Barton. And it's why back in June, we interviewed 75-year-old Hawaii Ironman triathlete, Ken Ola. Now, our, our goal isn't necessarily to do what these gentlemen do, or to pull people like Chrissy Wellington, the four-time Ironman world champion, and say, oh, I want to be like Chrissy. That's not the goal. The goal is to look at them and say, okay, he did this, she did that. That is really cool. So you know what? Maybe I'm underestimating myself. What's a goal where I've used age or whatever else as an excuse? And what am I going to do about it now that the bar has been reset? It's a challenging question, but I'm hoping it's one you're willing to take on. And we have plenty of resources at CatalystCoachingInstitute.com. If you're looking at the coaching certification, if that's something that you've been pondering for a while, our last certification of the year, the Fast Track, is in Colorado, November 9th and 10th. Obviously, the distance learning, you can do at any point. But if you're wanting to come to that Fast Track weekend, there's one left this year. So take advantage of that. And of course, if you have any questions at all, you're thinking about this, how does this fit with your career, you're a clinician, you're wondering how it integrates, or you're looking at a second career, and, and how could you do this on the side or as a focus area, that's what we're here for. Reach out to us. Email is results at catalystcoachinginstitute.com. We're here for you. Happy to chat. Really enjoy that process. Now, on with the latest episode of the Catalyst Health and Wellness Coaching Podcast. All right, Brad. Good to have you here. Let's jump right in. 419 mile. First time in history. History. Anyone's run that fast at any age was in 1865. I did a little homework here. You're, wow. 50, you're 53 years old. You just broke that. You shattered the previous 50 plus mile record. What makes you so different from every other person to ever walk on the planet over 50? <laughs> Well, let me just uh, make a correction. What you just said, you, the word you said is um, you did this. 
And uh, I want to be very clear that it wasn't me that did this. It was my coach and I. Uh, my, I'm going to maybe talk about Chick Hislop and how that applies to those that are listening. I, I need a coach. Maybe some people can get away without doing this, but I needed a coach. And, and I, have a, I have a speech coach. I've got um, a life coach. I've got a business coach. And I've got an athletic coach. Coaching is a huge part of my life. This mentorship and um, just real quick, Chick Hislop was the head Olympic distance coach in 1996 when the Olympic Games last came to America, and um, that he was voted by his peers um, as the head distance coach because that he's the smartest guy in the room. From the platform of Little O Weber State, you know Weber State University in Auburn, oh, yeah. this guy uh, literally changed the, the the track and field world by reinventing the 3,000 meter steeplechase, and he's he's that good. He's it wasn't a popularity contest. Um, <laughs> this guy is when I walk into a stadium and, and the coaches see who I'm with, their athletes run up to me and say, can I get his autograph? Cause their coaches have said, there's a living legend just walked into the stadium. Yeah. You ought to go meet him. And he's so intimidating that they're asking me, do you think it's okay if, if my, if your coach gave me his autograph, you know? So this is really a story about this famous coach with this has been athlete. So I want, I want to be clear. This is coach and I's uh, project. That's awesome. And then and you probably could expand it from there, you know, family members, support crew, absolutely, all the other folks that, mm-hmm. that play a role in the things that we try to do. So great reminder. Love it. So coming back to it outside of the coaching, which is obviously outstanding. Why, why are you different? What, what's allowed you to run this time that maybe 10 people have run sub 430 and you've just broken 420 over 50 years old. Talk us through what, what do you think makes you different? That's a really good question. I'm not sure that I'm qualified to answer. <laughs> I've, been, I've been at this for some time. I was an All-American steeplechaser back in a different lifetime. I was a good miler, but, but a very good steeplechaser. And, um, and then took, you know, it was 19 years. I didn't step on a track. And then I was at a, I was at a high school um, meet um, back in 2009, and th- it was a big meet, the Simple Lock Games in Pocatello, the largest indoor track meet, I think, probably in the world. And um, they had a coach's mile, and I'm looking at these bald, half-bald, you know, gray-haired guys <laughs> out there on this track, and I'm thinking, that's so stupid. What, what, you know, past glory, what are they trying to capture here? And halfway through the race, I'm, I'm just still thinking that's just too weird. And then, um, but, but I could do that. And then two laps to go, I'm thinking, well, I, I ought to do that. And when the gun sounded and they're finishing, I, I just, I, I felt like it was something I had to do. It was, I was called to do this, Brad. And uh, I don't know how it sounds so, so sweet. The first time I walked in to buy a pair of track spikes, um, I had to apologize. I felt like I need to apologize to the clerk. They're like, well, tell me about your son that you're buying these for. I was like, <laughs> actually uh my my track spikes <laughs> what but uh i said two world records with those uh, track spikes and uh anyway it, it just it felt like it was supposed to happen i had to get on the track with a, this intense curiosity could i break a five minute mile at 40 at 44 and then it you know the story goes from there injury failure injury failure injury failure and then more injury and more failure and then lightning strikes and we break a, a world record in the M50 mile run 416 and then back to injuries so it's really a story of failure i think it having a coach and um 
and then obviously there's some some genetics involved in it. Sure, no but question. I'm certainly not. I'm, I I ran as hard as I could when I was a kid against the best in the world, and um, you know I was I was uh, I was really good back in college, but I certainly wasn't a you know I was I never did make the team the Olympic team. I was I had a shot at doing it, but anyway, there I just am feeling really fortunate that I that I have this uh, genetics and longevity, and and then there's some other things we can get into that I think. Uh, that are part of it as well. Yeah, let's go ahead and run down that path. We were ch- chatting a little bit offline about some of the, the sports psychology stuff, what's happening between the ears. What, what comes to mind with that you could share with the group? Well, the, you've heard the term use it or lose it. And I really think there's a ton um, of truth in that. And not however, but and we can also get some of that back. There's a book and I can't remember the, the barefoot running guy. I just, it just, his name escaped me. Yeah, born born to run. Born to run. Yeah, the born to run guy. He his latest book talks about this notion of the, the use it or lose it, and how when we don't use the, those pathways because we're not bouldering, for instance. I used to be able to run up and down stairs super fast. I um I can fly across rocks, you know. And then I I'm in my in my forties. I can't do that so much anymore. Well. I need to I need to start running trails again, and all of a sudden I got my feet back under me. I'm running up and down steps again. I remember um, years years for years I I go try to hurdle a fence and it just was horrible. <laughs> and I thought every time I'm thinking to myself, I used to do that. I was a steeplechaser, a really good one, and I used to do that. You know that's that's gone. Well, it's not. It took a long. It took some work, but I'm I'm not hurdling like I was when I was a kiddo, but tell you what, I'm, I'm hurdled pretty well. I hurdle as well as most college kids do now. I remember the first time that coach had me do a 65 second 400 meter in a workout and I got done hands on knees, death grip. I look up a coach and I was a bit of despair because we got to break, we got to break 420 to, to want to, to break this uh, sure. 45 record. And I said, coach, how, how am I going to do this? I got to put four of those together. And he just he just laughed at me and he says, relax. He says, we got a lot of time. We will get there. And sure enough, you know, I run 416. Coach and I run 416. Um, it comes back. That's, like, I think, a, a message. You can get that stuff back if you just stay after it and work after it and just keep going. Well, I think that's a message that society as a whole is giving us is, hey, you're, you're over 50. You need to be slowing down. You need to be relaxing. You know, what? What's, what's the problem? And, and we're starting to see some incredible performances of people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. We just saw a guy 90 years old running a 90-second quarter. I mean, this is outstanding. Why do you think we're seeing more of that now than we were even 5, 10 years ago? Well, obviously, there's some medical things going on. Nutrition's better than it ever has been in some ways um, for those of us that choose to eat, eat well. Sure. Um, for me, for, for instance, I had a bucket handle lateral meniscus tear in my left knee. That's a function of the medical profession. And so, um, and, and then we've got better training methods and, um, and I think more leisure time, um, to be able to, to, to pursue things like this, you know, we're when in human history is someone this, at this age trained with a, a world-class type coach, right? and trying to reinvent what it means to train at a world-class level. That was part of it too. In, in 2013 is when we broke our first indoor world record. And then I tried set American records in the, in the 3000 meter steeplechase, but I couldn't get that, that nine sixteen 
a world record mark. I said, Coach, I, I feel called to break this record, but I can't run any harder. We got uh, to 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 double our mileage. It broke my foot doing it. Well, in the end of the of the of the day, he said he said I got to reinvent this thing. I've been trying to to train you like you were a college kid, like I did back in the day, and it and it's wrong. All the thirty eight years of coaching, some of those principles that we know work don't work anymore for someone your age. And then he says, "You're the guinea pig. I I am the I am the the the, the tactician." We're going to, you and I are going to reinvent what it means to train at a world-class level. And we're going to train like no one ever has at this age. And we're going to do things that have never been done. And that became our really, our relic. And then this is bleeding into another concept, but folks, think about this. He, he said, we're going to remember what we're doing. So two things in that conversation, we're going to, we're going to reinvent what it means to train at a world-class level. And we train quite a bit different than we did back in the day. And he also said, we're going to remember what we're doing here. And I said, well, coach, what, what are we doing? He says, we're doing stuff that's never been done. <laughs> and I was like, that's right. And it became just a, a it, that became the rally cry. And in a middle, a ugly middle of a, you know, a five by a thousand meter workout, he's yelling at me, not only my time, but he's saying, remember. And that became something important that was always on our mind. We are here for a specific reason. We've got some specific well-defined goals and we're doing all this hard stuff in order to, 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 to get this done. And we're doing things that have never been done. And whatever, whatever um, application that is, this story isn't about me, about Brad Barton and Coach Hislop. This is, our, this is all of our story. Whoever's listening to this, this is our story with my details, right? So what are you doing that, that you've never done before? What hard thing are you approaching that it, it's got you running a little scared. What if you got this, you, that's, uh, that you, when you wake up in the morning, you're a little af- afraid of your day because it's so hard. What you're attempting is so hard that you're a little afraid of it. That's one thing that coach taught me. If you're not a little scared about your, your life uh, because you're, you're doing something that hard, then, then you aren't really living. And uh, I just love that concept. And for me, it's certainly been true. That's a great point. You, you think of Chief Satmihai's research on flow. You, you've got to be on that upper echelon of, of where those match up. And that's exactly what you're describing there. So awesome reminders. In, in terms of motivation as a whole, plenty of people make goals. They, you know, they're out at the same track meet you were at and they see people and they're like, I don't think I'd do that. Maybe I'll do that. I think I want to do that. And then a week or two into the journey, you're like, you know what? Eh, I'm good. What tips, you, you've stayed the course and you've reaped yeah. the benefits. What tips, what tips would you share with folks that struggle with maintaining that motivation beyond the first 30 days? Yeah, it's a, it's really a great question, Brad. Um, and I, and I, there's a couple of answers that I have here for us. The, the one thing is a well-defined, why are we doing this? And then remembering that this is, this has been this latest journey to the, to the starting line at, at Music City Distance Carnival in Nashville a couple of two and a half weeks ago where I ran this sub 420 mile. It's four years of toil. I've been world record fit four separate times and have gone down in flames every single time except for this latest uh, training cycle. And I, I got to tell you, I've, I've suffered um, physically a lot, mentally a lot. And I think the worst part of it is just the discouragement and the doubt. Sure. That's what's got me the worst is the doubt. It's like all of this work, I hit a biker and, a, and I got a head injury, all this work. And then I break my foot again. 
all this work and then I rip my quad muscle doing a nothing 3,000 meter workout, all this work and then I hit my head again, I take a wicked fall, all this work and then I shatter my toe. I, this early spring, late, late winter, I was, I was one of those guys. After all of this journey, I was really discouraged and I, I called coach. I said, coach, I'm not feeling it anymore. I just don't know for sure whether this is worth it. And there was a long pause and he says, he said, what is your goal? And I said, I don't know. He says, that's the problem. And it just hit me. And then he said, Brad, take a couple of weeks. And because every run was, it was forcing it. And it was a grind for me. And that's where a lot of people get. Sure. And, and he says, just, just don't answer quick. Just let it just based in your mind and just figure out what your goal is. And after a couple of weeks, I remember that the, the grind was gone. All of a sudden there was, there was flow again. I, I was excited about it because I decided what it was going to be. I was going to break. Um, so the affirmation is, coach, I am the fastest M50 masters, 50 to 54 year old. I'm the fastest M50 miler in human history. And he'd just smile and I'd say it out loud. And he'd say, that's right. Right in the middle. When you do all these intervals, right? You do six of them to get to the one that really is going to hurt. And just before I step on the starting line to do the, 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 the interval that all the other th- intervals are, are about to get you to the one that's going to do sure. the most good. I just turned to my coach just before he says, go. And I said, coach, I'm the fastest M50 miler in human history. And he just says, that's right. And then boom, we go. And uh, I figured out what my why was in this training cycle. And that, that made the difference. So that's, that's one answer. The other answer is, is happened earlier. He's, coach told me, he says, Brad, you're going to have to do a thousand hard things in order to break, get in a position to break world records. So you can either make a thousand decisions to do those hard things, or you can have a decided heart. You can make one colossal, excruciating decision to do all of those thousand hard things. And then the work level, the, the workload is cut in half because it's the deciding that's the hard part, right? It's the beginning of it. And so I made a decision to do a thousand hard things. And then, Brad, all I had to do then is just go do a thousand hard things instead of making the decision all of those times. I love it. I love it. That, one of the things we've talked about in here before is the difference between what I do and who I am. And that's exactly what you're describing there, Brad. You're talking about you can either make a decision on a daily basis, an hourly basis of, okay, this is on my list. Do I want to do it or do I not? Or you can decide, this is who I am. And as a result of that, the rest of the decisions have made themselves. So mm-hmm. I love it. Great, great way to set that up. Talk to us. One of the things that continues to grow across athletics as a whole, but especially in the master's athletic realm, is the performance-enhancing drugs. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's running rampant. Master's mm-hmm. sports, US ATF is trying to get their arms around it. I'm more involved with triathlons. They're trying to get their arms around it. Talk to us about that. What, what are your feelings about it? What, what is happening out there? Is, is this simply going to become a race of who has the best doctors over the next 20 years when we're talking about 50, 60, 70-year-olds racing? Or are there some real solutions that you've seen that matter? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. This is a, another really great question, Brad. It, um, I think part of the answer is more funding for enforcement to, to do testing. They, I, I have yet to be tested. And I think that's, really? I think that's, that is just, I think that's unacceptable. Wow. My feeling is if you're going to break a, a record, 
even a master's record, you ought to be tested. I think if you win the, the meet, you ought to be tested. Yeah. So well, there you, there you go. Yep. Let's set the bar. Let's set the bar a lot, a lot higher than it is. There's a couple of performances that I've questioned. You know, you got to work awfully hard, but I don't know. I, I sure. Yeah, it's a I tough sure, area. Yeah, it's a really tough area, and I think that's, I think that's really the the only answer is to to test more. So let's come back to life stuff. You you said you took I think a 19 year break. So were you 41 when you jumped back in? It was from about a 1994 until you know whatever the years that is until uh, 2009 when I stepped back on the track. Okay, so about a 15 year break. When you think about balancing your training at the age of 45, 50, 53. Talk to us about that because, again, our audience is current and future health and wellness coaches generally. Yeah, sure. And so they're, they're working with some athletes, but a lot of times they're working with folks that are trying something new in their life around sleep or stress or a new pursuit at work or, or whatever it might be. But for you specifically with the running, have you, how do you balance it all? Because that's a new commitment that's a, a, an additional that a lot of people are not trying to fit in their 10 hours a week or whatever it might be of training. How have you dealt with that? And how have you dealt with it differently in your 40s than now in your 50s as the phase of life changes? I've been many years doing what I do for my profession. I'm a professional speaker, a leadership and inspirational speaker. I do some leadership training, but most of it's platform stuff. So I know what it's like to climb a flight of stairs as a, you know, I wasn't terribly sedentary, but I I wasn't training really. And I'd run several times a, a month. When I came back to, to this project and really started training again, really my whole life changed. Everything changed. I call it an energy wake, a vortex that because I'm I'm headed towards this hard thing and I'm living in that in that wonderful, creative, um, energized space, everything else gets sucked along with it. You know, I'm I'm growing spiritually again. Um, I'm a better dad, I'm a better husband, better I'm a better professional speaker. I'm just a better person because I'm Instead of just a human being, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, a, again, I'm a green, growing human becoming. That's a, a, a big part of it. So I'm, I'm more, I guess, um, efficient in my office. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I can just fit more in my day because I'm on, it, on this journey. And so even though it does take a little bit of time out of my profession, it gives so much back. You know, just being fair, I was having lunch with a with a, a new friend of mine um, that is a, a the, I live in the state of Utah. He's a Utah state legislator. And uh, he, he came back to, to, to running and he says, I have more energy and I'm just more excited about life. He started to describe it and his voice started getting animated. <laughs> like, you got it, man. This is awesome. That it, it does take some time, but I think it get, it's a net um, gain. It gives us more than we, than it takes. That's a great point. Yeah. It's that purposeful living. No question about it. So what's next for you? Uh, let me take a step back in terms of range. Now that you've dialed in the mile, are you wanting to go see, well, I wonder if I could extend this out to the marathon or out to a 10K oh. or a 5,000 or- No, 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 no. Or are you, you're a miler, you're staying a miler and that is all in. Or is there something completely unrelated to athletics that you now have this passion, this purposefulness that you're focusing in toward? Right. I wrote a, I wrote a neat book uh, years ago and I'm embarrassed to say it was 2006 that I wrote this book called Beyond Illusions. I use magic sometimes from the stage. And so this Beyond Illusions, meta, this metaphor of illusion and so forth, it was hard to write the book. 
And so I, I'm back, I'm back in the saddle where my um, editor and I are writing another book called back on track. And I'm really excited to, to do, to do that. So that's another next best uh, for me there. We do have a little bit of a range though. I've, I think the 800 is a little too quick. 5,000. I think it's just a little, I think it's a bridge too far for my, you know, genetics. My, my, my body breaks down after, you know, running too many miles. So aren't you curious though? Aren't you sitting there thinking, you know what, maybe I could take two years and just see or not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I am curious. Yeah. Maybe the 5,000. Yeah. I'm one of those guys that likes the variety. Like last year I was trying to go 450, 250 for the mile and the marathon. So I like the extremes, but I don't have your speed. So I have to pick the variety because I don't have your speed. Brad, 450. We're about the, we're about the same age, right? Within just we're, a few days. We're exactly the same age. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're quite a bit faster, my friend, but I might be able to get you on the marathon. We'll, we'll have that to be determined. 250. Uh, yeah, that, that I think that's a reasonable goal for me. But anyway, this is about you, buddy. Athletic stuff aside, let's let's talk a little bit to those in the audience who they just want to live their healthiest, most vibrant life they can. And, and you've kind of talked about that. I loved what you said in there about when you had that purpose, when you were dialed in, then everything else was better. You're a better dad. You're a better husband. You're a better speaker. You're a better I'm writer. Sleep, I'm sleeping the, better. I'm eating yeah, better. Yeah. Everything can improve when you have purpose. So what advice would you have for the person who they have no interest in running a mile, a marathon, or anything in between, but they do want to live that healthy, vibrant life? What advice would you give to them that would not involve running shoes? The answer maybe is, what are you doing that you've never done before? And what are you doing that, that is really hard, that's stretching you? Think back to the most fulfilling, rewarding times of your life. When you look back, say, when was I the most happy? And that's a message of my, the book that I'm writing, this back on track is, let's get back. It's not when we're, we've arrived. There's some, it's really neat to go do, you know, arrive. But most of us spend most of our life on the plateau, don't we? We're, we're in our comfort zone. But, but when you think back on the happiest, most fulfilling times in our lives, isn't it on the steep part of that learning curve? Let's get back to that, whatever it is, get back on, on in, in, a, in a spot where you're a little off balance and you're having to scrape and, 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 um, and, and really um, answer a call, answer a challenge, whatever that is, go get uncomfortable again. You nailed it. That, that's huge. It's great advice. I want to throw out the billboard question to you. You get to design a billboard. It's going to be seen on the busiest street in the country. What's it say, Brad? Wow. Any message you want to share? You can do more. Mm, I like it. You can do more. Yeah. Yeah. Better than yesterday. Love it. Love it. And the the power of our, maybe this is a, I'm ranting again, but the power of our mind um, in every cross country, high school cross country race or college cross country race, there's the first mile, it's doubt. And the second mile, it gets discouraged. It, it meant, and then the, and the last mile is, de- I mean, it's, it's despair, you know, because it's, it's so bad. And my coach in high school, he said that it, it, I was really negative in my life. I had some negative early experiences. And I said, well, coach, I can't stop those negative thoughts. He told me this. He says, you cannot, you're not responsible for the negative thoughts that enter the stage of your mind but you are responsible for the ones that, that you allow to remain and perform on that stage. And so I call this replacement therapy with my high school uh, athletes. 
doubt, let's replace that. We can't stop the doubt, but we can replace it with faith. So faith in, in my coaches, in faith in the plan, the race plan that we came up with, very detailed race plan. So doubt becomes faith. Discouragement becomes confidence, confidence in my training and my preparation. So that becomes a, a, a replacement for discouragement and despair. I like the idea of, of fury. Instead of running in doubt and discouragement and despair, instead of living our life in doubt and discouragement and despair, what are your, what's your replacement therapy? How about living in faith, living in confidence, and then living in fury, you know, and a, and a righteous wrath. We're going to go do something amazing, right? Well, and it's, it's so exciting to hear the energy in your voice because obviously the kids are gleaning that, they're grabbing that, they're, they're getting it, they, they believe in it. And I, I, I would just love to see, as you and I were talking offline, it, running matters, but life is so much more important than running. And so if oh, we can take yeah. these concepts that you're talking about and help that employee to be a better employee, that husband to be a better husband, better dad, all the things that you talked about, that's really good stuff, Brad. To your point, let me toss in another little psychology trick that taught to me by a guy named Jim Cathcart. And he was talking about how he wanted to be more fit. And so he set a goal and, and he says, some days I didn't want to go out and run. And so the, the rule was, and now think about it, here's a running deal, right? That 90, maybe 90% of the people listening don't have any interest in running. What is the equivalent of Jim Cathcart's idea? He says, the rule is, that I get my, I strap on my running shoes and go touch the road. I get dressed into my running gear. I put on my sneakers and I go out and touch the road. That's all I got to do on the day where I didn't have time. I didn't, I just can't muster the courage or the, or the energy to go do it. I go touch the road with my sneakers. And he says, once in a while, that's all he does. And then he goes back and gets back to whatever he was doing. But I've, I, that has been a huge key for me. There's no question. And I love that phrase that you use. And I think listeners can use that for anything that touch the road applies to anything. Doesn't have to be running. That is a great, great example, Brad. Thank you. You know what? We'll have to stay in touch. My last PhD research study is on 800 meter runners and the use of self-talk to improve what we're calling functional mental toughness. Mm. And it's been some really interesting results. So it's a lot of what you're talking about. It's just putting it into a a research context. So let's stay in touch on that and I'll, and I'll get you a copy of it once it's been published. Final words of wisdom. You, you've got this audience that's engaged. They're excited about what you've been doing track-wise, but they also are thinking of other things in their life. What final words of wisdom would you like to share with those folks, either coaches or people that maybe their coaches turned them on to this and you just want to give them one more bit of wisdom to walk away with to make their lives better? I gotcha. The week leading up to the Music City Distance Carnival, I was nervous. And to say I was nervous is an understatement. I was a little rattled because all the weight of this four years of preparation and the almost there and almost there and all, there, you know, just cumulatively just this enormous bulk of work that I, oh, sure. I, was, I was just off the scale nervous. And my wife was like, who are you? And I, would, I, was, I was rattled. And then the, the idea of gratitude flowed in. And as soon as I started just thinking about where I was at, I mean, I'm healthy. I've got these, you know, neat genetics. You know, my connective tissues are, are finally holding together. I've got a world-class coach, incredible facilities. You know, I've got sponsors to help me, all the support of my circles. I've got no reason 
to not just be in, just incredibly grateful to be here in this place in this time with this enormous scary opportunity in front of me. And as soon as I went to grateful, the the nerves went away. <laughs> so what are, what are, what what is not solved by that notion? What are you facing? What hard thing are you going through? It's resentment. Be grateful. It, it's it's doubt. Be grateful. It it is discouragement. How about how about trying to be just live in a state of gratitude? That has been an elixir for me. And so I guess that's my last uh, bit of wisdom that we have time for is uh, living in a state of gratitude and then everything is better in your life. Wonderful. What a great way to wrap it up. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be excited to keep following your pursuits here and that, that next world record around the corner. And I really appreciate it. Thanks, Brad. What a pleasure. So what is it for you? Keep in mind, his high school PR was a 434. His lifetime PR was a 404, but in his 40s, he went 416, and in his 50s, he went 419. High school PR, 434. At the age of 53, 419. So what is it for you? Maybe if you want to go back to high school, it's, it's your high school weight. Maybe it's pursuing your first 5K. Or maybe it's nothing to do with anything physical, but it's some other self or culturally imposed limit you've put on yourself. Maybe today's the day you say, I'm done with excuses. Let's see what is actually possible for me at this point in my life. Thanks as always to those who have taken that extra time to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, leave a positive review. It really makes a difference. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're into human performance and you're on Twitter, feel free to follow me. It's at Catalyst, the number two, Thrive. I basically just put uh, human performance research studies and articles and those kinds of things on there. So good place to catch that if you're on there. If you want to discuss whether the coaching certification is a good fit for your career, your future, some of the different things you're pondering about it, feel free to reach out to us. The email is results at Catalyst Coaching institute.com. We talk to folks literally every day about those kinds of questions, so please don't hesitate. The website has all kinds of other resources as well. That's catalystcoachinginstitute.com. Until next time, let's keep pursuing better. Regardless of who we are or what we're doing, better is just one step away. Thanks for joining us, and I'll look forward to speaking with you soon on the next episode of the Catalyst Health and Wellness Coaching Podcast. Mm-hmm.